0: Oh my god the light just started to flicker oh Oh my god oh my god i just got goosebumps oh my god i'm sorry oh Oh god oh (laughs) shit jesus christ baby oh Oh my god god okay
1: okay i'm gonna turn on the light please do
0: Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night.
1: Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report, episode 27.
0: Yeah, episode 27. I'm Margot. And I'm Elizabeth. We're the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. (laughs) If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're so happy to have you.
1: Thanks for listening. We love you. Yes, so much.
0: Too soon? Never. This week we have another true crime episode for you, so if you're into that sort of thing, prepare to be amazed. I will go ahead and hold the matches. (laughs) (laughs) pre in the candle, would you like to tell us about your week? Yes.
1: I have been quarantining in Mm -hmm. my room all week because I have COVID.
0: She tested positive.
1: I did. So Margo and I I are both, I'm wearing a double mask again. I'm wearing a mask as well. Yes. So if, if you hear that, that's why we sound a little muffled, but yeah, I feel a lot better than
0: I did last time we recorded. Yeah,
1: that's good. Which I'm happy about. You sound better.
0: (laughs) I mean, you do like, it's muffled, but you don't sound as like, yeah, "Ah." like, like, like really sick. Yeah. So that's good. And we've been, like, I, I seriously, I haven't seen Elizabeth except, like, in passing. <laughs> yeah, same. We've just been quarantined in our rooms with masks on at all times. It's kind of weird. Not yeah,
1: it is weird. I don't I don't like waking up and then just pulling out my work laptop, like, in my bed and just working on my bed and yeah. then putting it down and going to sleep. Like, that's literally all I've been yeah. doing.
0: And I don't like it. <clears throat> I don't either. This too shall pass.
1: Yeah, but the CDC says I can come out of my room on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you can come out now. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. But also I wanted to briefly mention because I've been doing nothing else but scrolling on my phone. As you do. And um, there's been a couple of things in the news um, lately, the, including the killing of Dante Wright. Mm. And i just wanted to acknowledge that um as well as the murder of adam toledo in chicago who was 13 years old 13 by the police so his arms were up yeah it's i didn't watch the video i'm not going to but it's obviously horrible so just want to acknowledge those things that that um that's happening and encourage you to read more Okay. About the things that took place there, and I'll link some resources how you can support the victims' families uh, in our description. Thank you. Yes. What about you?
0: What's kept you up at night? Oh, definitely that. Yeah. Um, it just makes me very angry. And then today we had a mini panic because we got a notice from our landlord that if we did not sign our Lease renewal. They would put our apartment on the market tomorrow, and on our portfolio app or what we use to pay our rent or whatever, it says we had to let them know by the end of May. So Elizabeth was like, oh "Marco, did you see the email from Diane?" <laughs> I'm like, "Um, no." <laughs> so that that was stressful. Um, yeah, work has been busy. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Let me light the candle. I almost forgot. My face is like sweating. <laughs> I know. We never record during the day.
1: Yeah. And it's really sunny in here.
0: Yep. And I'm wearing two masks. I feel like I'm wearing like a winter scarf on my face. It's going to be interesting <clears throat> when it's summer and we have to record because our AC units, we'll probably have to turn them off. Oh yeah, recording. we haven't recorded in the summer before. No. Ah so weird and we're staying we're staying put we are central air and in unit will have to wait
1: (laughs) tell me okay i will tell you please all right so we're taking a trip to italy yeah me too such a fun place except they eat dinner at like 10
0: p.m which i am in bed by then i don't go to sleep But I'm in bed by then. Right. Anyway. Today we are
1: talking about some people with a last name you might recognize. Maurizio Gucci and Patrizia Reggiani met at a swanky Milan fashion party when they were both young in their 20s. And they married not too long after in 1972 when they were both around 24. Gucci, Maurizio Gucci, had been struck by Reggiani's looks, reportedly saying to a friend, Who is that beautiful girl dressed in red who looks like Elizabeth Taylor? The lady in red. Yes, it was Patrizia. Maurizio Gucci, as you can probably tell by his name, came from a prestigious family line. Hmm. His father, Rodolfo Gucci, was one of six children of, get this, Guccio Gucci. Guccio Gucci. Gucci. <laughs> oh, God, I'll, I'll never get over names like that. Um, founder of the fashion house of Gucci. Rodolfo, Maurizio's father, was opposed to the marriage of Maurizio and Patrizia because he thought she was only marrying him for his money and fame, mm. but they went ahead with it anyway. They always do. Like have you ever heard a case of it like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like well, I don't know actually. If one of my parents objected to my relationship, I'd probably at least hear them out. Sure. But I don't anyway. Yeah. But they went ahead with the wedding, which would bite them in the ass later. <laughs> but hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. Rodolfo even tried to kick Maurizio out of the family business, aka the House of Gucci, but Later on, Patrizia made them reconcile, and he was back in. So that little hump was avoided. Maurizio and Patrizia lived a life of luxury. They had multiple properties around the world. They had a gigantic boat, like a really big boat. That's a big boat. (laughs) And they hung out with the Kennedys. Okay, casual. Casual. They ended up having two daughters, Allegra and Alessandra, Mm -hmm. which... They all sound like Italian supermodel names, for sure.
0: But you know, with the last name of Gucci, right? I don't think it would be Agnes. Gucci.
1: (laughs) I apologize in advance for all my Italian
0: pronunciations. It's okay. (sighs) I apologize for making fun of the name Agnes. I actually like the name a lot. I do too. Anyway, in
1: 1983, Maurizio's father Rodolfo died. Oh. And Maurizio's world was totally changed. Patrizia said it seemed like Maurizio just, like, transformed overnight. She said, quote, from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. He just seemed to up and stop caring about everything and everyone. And this was because he received his father's 50% share in the house of Gucci. Mm. So... All of a sudden, Maurizio was richer than he was before, like stupid rich. Yeah. And he had all these ideas about how he wanted to run the company. In the meantime, Patrizia, his wife, kind of got used to this really extravagant lifestyle. She said, quote, it's better to cry in a Rolls Royce than to be happy on a bicycle.
0: Um, I disagree. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I mean, I would like a nice car, but... Right. It's just the first of her. Not gonna get that tattooed on.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna put that on a sign in my kitchen.
0: (laughs) And those like sticker decals (laughs) that were really popular from like Hobby Lobby. Yes. Okay. Great life philosophy.
1: So Maurizio had a strong drive, as I mentioned, to take the company in a different direction. He wanted a new concept, a new design team, but this would only work if he was the sole leader of the company. I don't like where this is going. At the time, his uncle, Aldo Gucci, was the company president and controlled most of what was going on with the company. He, Aldo, had said at one point, I'm the engine of the company and the rest of the family is the wagon. So one can't work without the other, but he's sort of the driving force. Sure. And just as an aside, the Gucci family is very large and f- filled with a lot of drama, which mm-hmm. you will.
0: I can just imagine a, a Bravo show, the Gucci's. Oh, <laughs> my God.
1: I'm totally surprised that was not a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was pre-reality TV prime, but I'm sure yeah, it would have been. Yeah, right.
1: If if this was happening today, they would totally have
0: a show. Right. Like, who are the Kardashians? It's all about the Gucci's. Right. There you go. And Italy is more
1: glamorous anyway. Right. So Aldo was the president, right? Mm -hmm. And it's 1983 and Rodolfo just died. But Maurizio now wants to be president. So he has to get Aldo out of there. And to do that, he made a deal with Aldo's son, Paolo... Who was feuding with his father for some reason, I don't remember why. But they were they were all of them were always mad at each other and like hated each other. So Aldo or I'm sorry, Paolo owned 3% of the company.
0: Only 3%.
1: Yes. But because he owned this 3% of the company, he was able to give Maurizio a proxy vote on the board that allowed him to kick Aldo out of the company. Oh. And in exchange, Paolo would get his own brand or something. It it was like, because he wanted, he kept trying to start his own, like, Paolo Gucci, like, Mm. whatever. Side brand. Um, But it never worked. Stop trying to make Aldo happen. It's not going to happen. Right. So that's what they did. Paolo gave Maurizio his vote. Maurizio kicked Aldo, Paolo's father and his uncle, out of the company and also changed all the locks and got rid of every reminder of Aldo. My God. But he had been there. Petty. So I mean, this is personal, you know? Right. But then surprise, surprise, Maurizio went back on his deal with Paolo and then Paolo was mad and then they fell out and hated each other again. So it's like this, this why isn't this a movie yet? <laughs> like I, okay. In the meantime, in nineteen eighty five Maurizio left Patrizia. Um, Apparently, according to Patrizia, he packed for a short business trip to Florence, left, and never came back. Apparently, he also left her for a younger woman. Patrizia said that she learned that he had left for good from the family doctor. And their divorce battle lasted years and years. It was very bitter and awful. And Patrizia hated him, like, a lot. So I would, too. Another another one there. And, yeah, she wanted control of his money. Eventually, she was going to get, like, a million dollars a year from him in alimony or something. But, <laughs> okay. anyway. Okay. So, Aldo was out of the company. He was hellbent on getting back. And because to Aldo, the Gucci house of Gucci was, like, his life. Like, mm-hmm. he loved it. So he hired lawyers in New York to convict Maurizio of forging his father's signature on some, like, tax documents or something. And then Maurizio tried to get Aldo in trouble as well. So they're like, Maurizio's in Italy, in Milan, Mm -hmm. and Aldo's in New York. And they're, like, going back and forth trying to, like, take each other to court for various things. And also Rudy Giuliani was involved (laughs) in one of these little feuds. i'm not sure exactly which one or how i don't really care but i just thought that was funny mm-hmm. also kind of an aside paulo aldo's son also helped convict aldo of tax evasion and he went to prison for it for like a year in his 80s mm-hmm. so everyone's like in court battles and it's really confusing um Maurizio also at this time fled to switzerland for a while because he couldn't be arrested there he was eventually convicted of forging his father's signature it's all very messy and so because he was convicted of this he was stripped of the presidency of the gucci company but he immediately he was like okay i want control again because everyone's vying for control so Paolo and Aldo then were involved again with the company. Um, and, but he knew that they would never sell it to him. So he found a buyer for the company. It's an investment group based in Bahrain called Investcor, And Paolo agreed to sell his entire stake in Gucci like, through Investcorp to Maurizio for $47 million. And then Aldo was, like, deeply horrified by this and betrayed by his own son. And eventually he also agreed to sell his stake in the company, but he said it felt like selling his organs. And then within two years, Aldo had died. Oh. So now Maurizio owned the company, the House of Gucci, along with this investment group, InvestCore. And finally, he could implement his um, like dreams for the company. He wanted to make Gucci more exclusive, cut down on their franchise deals, and make fewer products. So they actually went from 20,000 different products to 4,000 products. Mm. And then they also hired a new chief designer, whose name is Tom Ford.
0: That sounds familiar. He has like perfume. Yeah, okay. he has his own like yeah. Thing now. Okay.
1: So, Paolo again hates Maurizio, and Maurizio hates Paolo, and now they're, they keep suing each other for different things. Paolo tries to establish his own label; it doesn't work. He's going bankrupt. His wife leaves him because he has an affair with his secretary. <laughs> Um classy. And eventually he died of hepatitis. Oh no. But in England, he was living on this estate in England and he was totally broke and like had really was exhibiting really erratic behavior. He like shot his daughter's horse. <gasps> like just just this is not, this has nothing to do with the story, really. But that it, it's just like really strange. So yeah. I'm just shut trying- him daughter's horse i don't know the horse's name was beatrice it was it was a good horse um one out for bia yeah i know rest in peace but nay (laughs) 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 so Paolo died in october 1995 oh uh rewind a couple years okay 1993 gucci is losing money really fast and people are blaming Maurizio and his like extravagant spending and all this stuff sure so he knew he couldn't do anything to like save the company Mm. so InvestCore bought out the rest of the company from him and Maurizio walked away with 170 million dollars so he it's a pretty good deal I think yeah However, this means that Gucci was no longer owned by the Gucci family. Mm. So the, fam- the whole family was out. <laughs> also, throughout this time, Maurizio thought that Patrizia, his ex-wife, was trying to turn his daughters against him. And he also accused her of using black magic to do what? I don't know. But <laughs> apparently she would, like, call him all the time and Oops. yell at him. And if he didn't pick up the phone, she'd mail him cassette tapes of her just like yelling at him and saying awful
0: things. My God, <laughs> so it's like a howler. It's like a <laughs> 1980s howler or a 1990s exactly,
1: howler. exactly. <clears throat> oh my God. When Maurizio sold his remaining stake in the company, this is also when his ex-wife Patrizia got about a million dollars a year mm-hmm. from him for mm-hmm. for a divorce. But Patrizia was just, like, so upset. I mean, obviously, she hated her ex-husband, like, a lot. And one of the reasons was because she felt that he kind of let down the business. Sure. And she was very invested in the Gucci company and the Gucci name and everything. In an interview at the time, she said, quote, he recently told me, Do you know why our marriage failed? Because you fancy yourself the president and there's only one president. Oh. She said, I was angry with Maurizio about many, many things at that time. But above all this, losing the family business, it was stupid. It was a failure. I was filled with rage, but there was nothing I could do. He shouldn't have done that to me. In one of the tapes that she mailed him, she said... You reached the extreme limit of making yourself despised by your daughters who no longer want to see you to forget the trauma. You are a deformed outgrowth. You're a painful appendix that all of us want to forget. For you, hell is yet to come. Oh my God. Yeah. It's uh, pretty intense. Pretty intense. Okay. <clears throat> so here's where it perhaps peaks. On March 27th, 1995, Maurizio Gucci was walking to his office in Milan at about 8.30 in the morning, and he arrived in the building carrying some magazines. He said good morning to the doorman, Giuseppe Onorato, and then a hand appeared from the side. Is it the black magic? (laughs) Um, Not quite. (laughs) Okay. But it was was holding a gun. Oh! And it shot Maurizio Gucci three times (gasps) in the back as he went up the stairs and a fourth time in his head. Oh, my gosh. And then the hand lifted up again, saw the doorman, like, had seen all this and shot him twice. (gasps) No! The doorman said he thought, what a shame, this is how I die. He was shot twice in the arm. Did he die? No. Okay. He did not. So, obviously, this is, like, huge, like, a huge deal. Yeah. You know, people were saying, you know, this is Milan, you know, like, not Naples. We don't have the mafia running around (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Not in my neighborhood. (laughs) I mean, not that I know anything about um, the mafia or Italy, but... No. Anyway, so people were baffled, and the lead investigator at the time he said he was sure this was a crime of passion. Sure. But there were no leads for like two years. Mm. So his cousin Paolo thought he might have been murdered for his debts because he was like millions of dollars in debt. But Maurizio was only forty six years old. Apparently few of the Gucci family members actually came to his funeral. Because everyone just hated each other too much. Oh my goodness. I know, right? It's like, yeah. But his ex-wife, Patrizia, came and his daughters came, of course. But some people noticed Patrizia was acting a little bit odd. And in a TV interview at that time, she said, quote, Some people die in their bed. Some people die on the street. Some people have the privilege to be killed. Oh, my God. (laughs) This woman is just full of these quotes. And it's like, (laughs) oh, my God. Rich people are weird. I know. Then one day, someone calls the chief of police in Milan two years later and says he had information about a murder and asked to meet the chief of police in this, like, seedy part of Milan. And the chief of police was like, why? Like, what... What do you want? Like, what, what information do you have? Just tell me. And he said, I know about the Gucci murder. <gasps> so apparently this guy who called said he was staying at this, like, sketchy hotel in Milan where he overheard the porter bragging about being a member of the group that was hired to kill Maurizio. Oh. So the police infiltrated... The hotel and pretended to be this like killer for hire mm. and apparently the group of men who had said they'd been hired to kill Maurizio said that they were hired by Patrizia his ex-wife but at the time they said she hadn't paid them very much, and so they were looking for someone else that they could hire to scare her into paying them like more money oh. for what they had done. So the police pretended to be interested in this gig. Sure. Um, and eventually they got some recorded conversations discussing payments, and they were able to arrest everyone involved. In February 1997, the police came to arrest Patricia and she came out and, like, decked out in furs and, like, <laughs> jewels and, like, rings and everything. Like, oh, I'm
0: sorry you had to see me in this state. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, here I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here they are to take me away. Like, that's very Moira Rose. Like. Oh, my God, you're right. Very Moira Rose.
1: So after Patrizia Reggiani was arrested, the media named her Vidovanera, the Black Widow. Oh. So Patrizia had a best friend named Pina Ariema. Mm -hmm. And Patrizia claimed that Pina was the one who arranged the crime and that Pina was blackmailing her, was blackmailing Patrizia because... She had arranged everything and carried this out without Patrizia's knowledge, but was saying now, well, you probably, like, this benefits you anyway, and you wanted this anyway, so you better pay me for doing this thing for you. Oh. That you never wanted. So that's what <laughs> Patrizia said happened. <laughs> okay. And people also painted Pina, her friend, as like the one, like a witch who got her interested in the occult. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like she denied that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She denied it, but like that was the story around her. Mm. However, Patrizia wrote in her diary ten days before Maurizio was killed. "Quote: There is no crime that cannot be bought."
0: Her and her little bicycle.
1: Right. (laughs) And on the day of the murder, she wrote one word in her diary, paradisos, which is Greek for paradise. Oh. And she said that she just heard that word and wrote it down because she wanted to name her next villa that, and she she just needed to record it because she loved the word so much.
0: (laughs) Okay. I mean, I could... I can see that because I sometimes yeah. just, like, write random quotes. You I know? can see like, that,
1: too, but, like, the coincidence it, is just... A little, a little sus. A little sus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, that's why I don't have a diary. Not saying I would ever <laughs> do anything, but anyway. Right. So,
1: Patricia's best friend, Josepina Pina Ari, Ariema, the one who... Patricia claimed was blackmailing her or whatever they had known each other for a couple decades at this point and in 1994 the year before Maurizio was killed Pina moved in with um, Patricia to help her write a book about her relationship with him because Patrizia had had a brain tumor removed in 1992 and oh. thought it like affected her memory so she needed help Sure, I guess And then, so Pina said that Patrizia gave in to, sorry, Pina said that she gave in to one of Patrizia's requests to find a killer in a moment of weakness, whereas Patrizia said that she had no idea that Pina went and found someone to kill um, Maurizio and that she was blackmailed into paying 365,000, $365, dollars So there are these like competing stories. Mm-hmm. However, Patricia was found guilty of murdering her ex-husband or arranging the killing of her ex-husband. And she was given 29 years in prison as well as the getaway driver. He also got 29 years the hotel porter who was overheard bragging about it got 26 years and her friend pina got 25 years Mm. where as the gunman was sentenced to life in prison then i think patricia appealed and was sentenced to 26 years (laughs) instead of 27 (laughs) i think it was 29 oh you're right but i mean you know in November 2000, she attempted suicide oh. in prison, but survived. And then she, she was offered a release in 2011. However, the condition was she'd have to find a job as a
0: condition of her parole. <laughs> and she's like, no.
1: Well, the, the quote is... and. It's, I don't know if this is a real quote or not, but according to the Italian media, she denied to, or turned this offer down, saying, quote, I've never worked in my life and I don't intend to start now.
0: Oh, my God. The audacity. <laughs> what the? Oh, God. Yeah. No, make her work. Make her shovel, shovel manure. Yeah. Like, oh, God.
1: All right. So, after serving 18 years, she was released in October 2016 Hmm. because of good behavior, I guess. She got some credit. And then the year after, she got an annuity of 900,000 British pounds from the Gucci estate. And she also got back pay for her time in prison, which was like 16 million pounds. What? Um... And her daughters who were executing her ex-husband's estate, like tried to stop that, but it didn't happen. Um, Then she went on to work at, (laughs) she found, she got a job. She did find work. And she worked at, for a few years at Beaux Art, which is jewelry designer, I guess, Mm -hmm. or, or something. I don't really know. Some sort she, of designer. She like was the person who um, puts together outfits and jewelry and stuff. Kind of like a, so she
0: was working a quote unquote, in fashion. Yeah. Okay. Sort of. Um, like in a retail position or like in corporate? like I'm not a hundred
1: percent sure. That's a good question. Okay. And I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, apparently she enjoyed that job. But she found the computers difficult. She said, I don't like computers. They're quite evil. <laughs> um, and, a, and they also had to remove her computer from their internal network after she permanently deleted beaux entire photo archive. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> so I can't. She, you know, she, yeah, that was... <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that was Patricia. As far as I know now... The article I read was a couple years old. So this could be wrong. But as far as I know now, she lives with her mother in an apartment in Italy. Her daughters have cut her off financially and she never sees them. And she still owes money to the porter who was shot um, or the doorman who was shot mm. when her husband was shot. He, he like, sued for all this money and, like, thousands of dollars and he, he never got it. And I think she also owes money to... Maurizio's uh girlfriend for some reason. But yeah. I don't, she just owes people money, right, I guess. And also apparently one of the like theories is about why she did what she did at that point is because um like Maurizio had this younger girlfriend and they were going to get married mm-hmm. and she like couldn't handle the idea of someone else being like Mrs. Gucci. Anyway, so Good Lord. Um it's funny you mentioned the movies because they're currently making a movie. Oh. Starring Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. Okay. Um, Lady Gaga plays Patrizia. Oh, my God. and Adam Driver plays Maurizio. I'm excited. However, oh. the family is really upset oh. with the casting decisions. Why? And they also claim that... They're just trying to make money off of their family drama. Of which, course like, they are. <laughs> which, like, yeah.
0: Because it's Hollywood gold. Um, but, like, what are you talking about? Like,
1: it's unfortunate, obviously, that, like, Maurizio died. Right. And that people were hurt. Like, that's awful. Yes. But, I mean, it's it's very dramatic, you know. Yeah. Patric- okay, Patrizia Gucci, not Patrizia who was arrested, but Patrizia Gucci, who is Aldo Gucci's granddaughter. Okay who is also named Patrizia, she's upset about it. She said, um, so Al Pacino is playing Aldo, her mm, grandfather. Okay. She said, quote, My grandfather was a very handsome man like all the Gucci's and very tall, blue eyes, and very elegant. He's being played by Al Pacino, who's not very tall already, and this photo shows him as a fat short with sideburns, really ugly, shameful, because he doesn't resemble him at all. <laughs> My gosh. So they're a family of, like, just straight-talking Italians. I mean... Yeah. You know, My it's... goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it, basically.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: Anyway, cool. that is the crimes of the House of Gucci.
0: Good lord, that's... That's, uh... There's a lot there. It, it is, it's a lot. I hate working. Oh my god. I can't I wanna punch her in the face. <laughs> oh you hate working. Oh I'm sorry. Oh my god, you murdered someone and you won a million dollars. oh god, okay. You <laughs> know, right? Woe is me. I,
1: I also read this this actually this is like pretty awful. Someone was interviewing her and talking to her about her time in prison. And she had a pet ferret okay. that she took care of while in prison. But another inmate accidentally sat on it and killed it. Oh no! <laughs> and then she was like, "I don't want to talk about this anymore." <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no! Like <laughs> your poor little ferret." <laughs> the ferret,
0: yeah. Justice for the ferret and justice for Beatrice. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's good lord. And Maurizio, well, yeah. he got justice. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Oh god. Anyway. All right.
1: Tell me, tell me something.
0: So I want you to paint me a picture of what your dream home looks like. You're married and you have kids and you want to move into your perfect home to raise them. So what does that look like to you?
1: It is a house, a farmhouse, okay, built preferably before 1930, okay, on about 5 acres of land with Prairie restoration as part of it. I have very specific ideas no, about I, this. I love it. And a very large garden, and maybe some goats and l- little chickens. I want that too. Like that's okay. Uh,
0: so um, we gotta go so... house shopping. Cool. When our
1: lease is up this time, we can.
0: Yeah. yeah. we can do that. We'll be more prepared, I guess, for a down payment. So for the broadest family. Maria, Derek, and their three children, they had found just that. Not exactly what you painted, (laughs) but they found what they envisioned to be their perfect dream home for their family. This home was located in Westfield, New Jersey, and was located on 657 Boulevard. It's in a great area. It has tree-lined streets, great schools. There's big yards for the kids and plus pets to run around in, and it's only 30 miles from downtown New York City. It was listed as the 99th richest neighborhood in America. There's a lot of neighborhoods in America, and in 2018, it was noted to be the 30th safest town in America. According to the town's neighborhood scout website, you know, everyone has one. We're a part of our neighborhood, like, watch community, um, the page. We're, we're not mm-hmm. active. We just observe. But anyway, the biggest uproars of the neighborhood at the time was when a Trader Joe's had to close temporarily because the roof collapsed. Like, that is the well, scandal of the hour. And apparently a lot of people were upset because they were, quote, unconstitutional policing end quote because of a recent surge of parking tickets that were being issued like that was the big crime at the time was parking okay. tickets all right i will also note it is 86 percent white mm-hmm. that's all i'm gonna say okay so this is essentially the poster child for the suburban dream maria and derek Bradis and their three children closed on the home in june of 2014 the home was built in 1905 and it was a Dutch colonial style home. It was pretty quaint at thirty nine hundred square feet. <laughs> <laughs> it had six beds, four baths, high ceilings with beams and the molding detail, uh, big windows, a uh, enclosed porch. You know, the works. It was gorgeous. It really outstanding.
1: Did it have shiplap?
0: Shiplap. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like in the porch it might have. Okay. Um. So they bought the home for. million dollars and they were going to do some renovations before they moved in maria grew up in the town and her childhood home was actually only a few blocks away and then derek was from a blue collar family but he worked his way up to be a senior vice president at an insurance company that was based in manhattan so they were pretty well off they closed on the house and like I said, they weren't going to move in because they wanted to do renovations because the family that lived there previously had been there for twenty-three years and you know maybe some things needed to be updated. I for me, it just blows my mind that you would pay $1.3 million for something that you had to like renovate. But anyway, <laughs> what do I know? They were they hired a contracting crew and they would, you know, check in on the home regularly when Every now and again. One night, three days after they had closed, Derek had been working at the house and he was painting and he went to go get some fresh air or, or, and he wanted to check the mail. Not sure what he was expecting um, because, you know, he just they just closed. So it was your typical flyers, small stack of, you know, bills, I guess. And then there was a card in a white envelope and it had in big bold black lettering it said the new owner inside the envelope was a letter that contained the following dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood really nice right doesn't no? it okay how did you end up here Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it is supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it grieved to bring your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the windows in 657 Boulevard at the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. And it was followed with a signature in a cursive font that says, The Watcher. That is the
1: creepiest thing i have ever heard in my entire life
0: i absolutely hate it so much young blood young blood referring to children you as young what's... blood Ugh. i am goose all over
1: do you know what's in the walls do you know what's in the wall like what the
0: <laughs> okay horrible wow absolutely horrible way to move in i i like a parent's worst nightmare, like my worst nightmare.
1: Especially after you spend so much
0: money on a house. I know. It's not like you could just be like, hey, um, the ceiling's leaking. I think I'm going to back out. It's like, no. <laughs> right. So obviously this freaked. I would burn down the house. and <laughs> be like all right, <laughs> all right, I don't want to know what's in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this freaked him out. So Derek ran inside. He locked all the doors. He turned off every single light and he calls the police. And he scans, like, the street just, like, waiting for people to arrive, which is exactly what I would do. I would just be hiding in the broom closet crying. And right. like, <laughs> oh, my God. And he's a grown-ass man. <laughs> so when the police arrive, he just hands them the letter. And he's like, explain this. And the police were just as confused as he was. And apparently the cop actually said WTF, like, in the full flush <laughs> form. I'm, I'm trying not to swear as oh much. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, like, the fuck is this? There was no return address, and there was no evidence as to who could have sent it. I mean, of course there's no return address. Could you imagine if it was sent to the neighbor at like 6.56? And it's like, what the heck, Carl? Right? (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) I was trying to be friendly. (laughs) So they asked Derek the typical questions, do you have any enemies? Things like that. And Derek said, no, I don't. And They also advised Derek to move some of the construction equipment inside the house so it couldn't be used to break the windows or harm anyone. So it's like, oh, okay, nice. But because there was no actual crime committed, that was all they could do. So they filed a report. Derek went home to Maria and their kids because they were still living at their old home until they were ready to move in because they were doing a lot of runos. So... Derek shows the letter to Maria, and they decide, why don't we contact the old owners? In the letter, there was also a mention of the previous owners, John and Andrea Woods. So in the letter from the watcher, it had mentioned them by saying, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Oh my god. So Maria writes an email to Andrea, and she's like, hey, can you please explain, like, Like, do you know anything about some watcher person? So the next morning, Andrea replied, and she said in her 23 years of living there, they had never had anything strange happen, except that one time just a few days before they moved out. (laughs) I don't know how it slipped my mind, but John and Andrea had actually received an odd letter from someone who also made note that they had watched over the property, like, for... Over the years, and they thanked the Woods family for taking care of the home. but to them it was just like a huh, that's weird uh-huh. and and they threw it out because it wasn't really threatening, and they just, yeah, thought maybe a neighbor was saying like, okay, bye right. So they threw it out. but John and Andrea said they would go with the family to the police station. So that day, they went, and all of them spoke with Detective Leonard Lugo. And he says, all right, that's weird. And (laughs) he told Maria, no matter what you do, do not show this letter or tell anyone about this letter, especially your neighbors, because at this point, everyone is a suspect. So over the course of several days, Derek and Maria are obviously on high alert. Derek cancels his work trip to make sure... He is at home with his family, and then when the kids are playing out in the yard, Maria yells at them when they get too close to being out of sight or close to the property line. One contractor who was working on a renovation said that he had got into the house in the morning, and a sign that the, they had put in their yard had been ripped out, and I assume that this is a, like, sign with an the advertisement of the con- contract in mm-hmm. crew mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless it's pretty ominous and I will note that it was a heavy duty like wood sign it wasn't just a flimsy like mm-hmm. graduation or y- yeah like proud union home you know right like, like one of those paper ones
1: at this point like get a security camera that's or a ring <laughs> or something.
0: you have if you can buy a 1.3 million dollar home you can get a ring light I, I, like <laughs> right a doorbell right. okay but anyway for maria and Derek, what should have been an exciting time was incredibly stressful and every sound that they heard made them jump every person walking by or every car that drove along the street they would stare at with caution or suspicion reasonably so That's terrifying. Some neighbors start to introduce themselves when they're working on the home or when they're visiting. And which I think anyone under normal circumstances would be like, oh, like, that's nice. But I can't imagine. I can imagine that the broadest family probably came off weird because Mm. they were like, who is this person? Why are they like? uh, So probably a weird first impression instead of like, hey, neighbor. I was like, what do you want? Right. There was one couple in particular who lived on the block that had asked to see the renovations they were doing, which Derek showed them. And again, I don't think it's like that weird because I'm curious and I think it's like, oh, like, what are you doing to your Mm -hmm. home? Like, are you doing a new kitchen or like what? Right. But like Derek still did because he didn't want to be rude. Mm -hmm. But what really tripped Derek up was when the couple was leaving, the woman said it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood which was referred to in the letter right so when derek heard this he froze and he looked at them open mouthed, because it's what are the odds of that yeah so i mean i'm speculating maybe it's just like a term that right. is common in the area right because every group like has their own lingo maybe mm-hmm. there was a neighborhood thing For example, like at my work, a common phrase people use is, I just wanted to bubble this up when Mm -hmm. we talk about following up on something. And I never use that phrase until everyone at work used that phrase. So now I say it on like every call. I'm like, yeah, I just wanted to bubble up this conversation from last Mm -hmm. week. Like you didn't sign that, you know. Right. So I don't know. That's I'm just justifying it. But definitely weird, Mm -hmm. especially if you've never heard it before. Yeah, that's so weird. So, a few weeks go by. Maria stops by the home to see some paint samples, and she gets the mail. Oh, no. Lo and behold, in the stack of what have you, there is a white envelope. No. And on the front, in that same bold script, it says, Mr. and Mrs. Broadus, except their last name is spelled wrong. Oh. But they... So, the watcher had at least heard of them, but didn't know how to spell their name. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, okay, could the watcher be someone they met? Was the watcher close enough to hear, like, the contractors addressing them? I think the most likely one is someone said, oh, have you met the the new couple that moved into the Woods's old home, like the Broaddus's or something? But here's what it said. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. Did they they like want to remind them of their address? I don't know why they keep referring to it as that. (laughs) I think that just makes it more creepy because it's like more direct. Yeah. So yeah, like in case you, you know, accidentally Uber to your old home, you're at Mm. 657 Boulevard. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. (laughs) (laughs) So the workers have been... Busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. What the f***? Why? Sassy. (laughs) Sassy. That's a nice dumpster you got. (laughs) Have they found what's in the walls yet? Oh my god. In time, they will. I am pleased to know your names, and now the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Then the watcher asked about one child in particular whom the writer had been seen, had seen using an easel inside the enclosed porch. So the watcher wrote, is she the artist in the family? Oh my god. So the watcher knows the nicknames of the children and further they are able to address them in order of their age.
1: No, this is...
0: So creepy. This is the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. I
1: can't.
0: Like, oh it just. God. This one gives me such heebie-jeebies. Me unlike anything else because it's just so.
1: Right. What's, What's in the, the walls?
0: I don't know. <gasps> I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> the letter continues. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are you too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. Is it far away from the rest of the house? If you were upstairs, you would not hear their screams. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedroom facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It'll help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move around throughout the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard. the better half of two decades now the woods family turned it over to you it was their time to move and they kindly sold it when i asked them to i'll pass by many times a day 657 boulevard is my job my life my obsession and now you are too brabus family welcome to the product of your own greed Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, broadest family. Welcome to the product of your own greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. The note ends with, Have a happy move-in day. You know, I will be watching. So Maria's like, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Horrible. I can't even I'm, imagine. No, I, I, I hate it and it's not even happening to me. Like, yeah. I would just, I would like fake my death. I'd just be like, all right, <laughs> yeah, what do you witness do? protection Am program. I don't, I don't oh know. Oh my God. So at this point, Derek and Maria no longer bring their children to the house smart good parents Mm -hmm. and they're not sure when they can or if they even feel that they will so they call the police to report the second letter but again there's there's nothing else that they can do you know Mm. (sighs) not long after this a third letter arrives and it simply says where have you gone to 657 boulevard is missing you and that was it (sighs) So at this point, there's not a lot of clues. The biggest thing they can speculate is maybe it's someone who was outbid by the Broaddus family because it was such a desirable property. According to the article, I got most of this information from The Cut from New York Magazine. Mm. Um, I'll I'll put the link. I'll send you the link so you can put it in the description. But that, is, if you want to read up on it, like 99% of the information came from this article. Mm-hmm. So according to the article, one neighbor who requested to stay anonymous said, quote, There's a lot of money and egos involved. And some people lose bid in wars by $300,000, which is like basically a home. Like you lose a bid in war by a home. Mm-hmm. And they further state... Homes on the boulevard are the most desirable homes in town. If you have a home on the boulevard, you've made it. The boulevard is the street to live on. End quote. This home in particular was one of the grandest homes on the street, and when Andrea and John placed it on the market, they received several offers above what they had asked. So essentially it, it came down to three potential buyers. The Broadduses, One prospect who backed out uh, because they weren't interested anymore. And then the other one who actually decided to go with a different home. Okay. So it's not like, you know, there was an intense bid and war. Mm -hmm. And it was between like three people. And it was like, okay, there were three people who were serious. And then two of them backed out on their own. Yeah. So something else to note is all the letters did arrive by post. So it wasn't just someone other than a postal worker, like putting the letter in the mailbox and then running off. Mm -hmm. So that added like an extra layer of who could it be because it's not, to your point, you can't put up a ring doorbell Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, this person is obviously doing it. It's Carl from 656. (laughs) Um, So they were able to determine based on the postmark that it had been processed at the uh, United States Postal Service Distribution center in Kearney. I think I'm saying that right. Kearney, which is about 15 miles northeast in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. It was also postmarked on June 4th, which was before the sale even went public. Oh my God. Which is really weird. Something to also note is the Woodses also never put up a for sale sign. What? Yeah. So it's not like people knew
1: maybe they saw people coming in and like tearing it or something
0: maybe still still that's horrible so weird so detective lugo stops by the home uh and then derek and maria give him a walkthrough and they point out where their daughter had been painting on the enclosed porch and they were able to determine that an outsider could only see it if they lived right next door or if they were on the home behind them because there were, with the vantage points and everything, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to see it because of, like, the trees or the bushes and such. So those were the only two, like, vantage points. So that was kind of a a clue. Mm -hmm. Shortly after... This, the family is invited to a barbecue, which is hosted by the neighbors across the street. And Maria and Derek essentially were very paranoid the whole time, Um, obviously, because they can't can't tell anyone about these notes. Like, Mm -hmm. they're on edge. They're like, is one of these people, like, the watcher? Are are they here? Are they going to, like, take my children? Mm -hmm. And they said that they probably came off really weird because they kept yelling at their kids to say close. So... Like, to anyone, they're, like, oh, my God, like, helicopter parents, like, short leash, but they have, it's justified. Mm -hmm. So, they were talking to someone who lived a couple houses down from them named John Schmidt. Still not telling anyone about the letters as they had been instructed, but Schmidt tells Derek about the family that lives next door to the Broaddus family, and they're called the Langfords. And apparently, they are the outcasts in the community. Ooh. So, Peggy was the mother, and she was in her 90s. And several of her children lived with her, and they were all adults and at least all in their 60s. So, the father, Richard, had died about 12 years prior. Schmidt also mentioned that there w- they were odd but harmless. And they further described one child in particular named Michael, and he didn't work, and he had an Ernest Hemingway beard, which I guess is everything you need to know about a person. (laughs) I'm sorry. And also, Schmidt said that Michael was a, quote, Boo Radley sort. Oh. So, with this information about the Langfords, Derek pieced some things together. So... First, they had lived there since at least the 60s, and Richard died 12 years before. And in one of the Watchers' letters, he says his granddad, his grandfather, and his father watched the home, and now it's his turn watching it for the better half of two decades. So he's trying to piece things mm-hmm. there. Also, the Langfords were right next door, which would have them in direct view of the enclosed porch that they had determined with Detective Lugo, Mm. where their daughter was painted. So Derek called Detective Lugo and told him about this lead. So Lugo said he knew all about the Langfords. He knew that they were, like, kind of the weird sorts. And after the first letter actually arrived and was reported... They actually brought Michael in for questioning. Oh, wow. And he said he had no idea of any of the letters and he had, like, nothing to do with this. And they had really nothing to pin him on. Right. Except, like, he was kind of odd, which makes me sad. Um, Yeah. At the same time, he seems like such a likely suspect. I know. So the police, again, told Derek basically... It's likely nothing would happen. It's likely nothing was going to happen. But this triggered Derek because he's like, excuse me, my family is being threatened by someone that refers to them as young blood. Mm-hmm. And they're excited about my children's young blood. Like, I be- don't tell me that nothing's going to happen right. when it's it's more sinister than just like, how dare you buy this home? It's mm-hmm. – it's, the letters are awful. Right. So – Derek becomes obsessed with solving this himself. He sets up, like, webcams all over, and he's, like, basically putting – he's, like, putting papers everywhere, and he's, like, trying to – like, you know, the the meme where it's the guy from – it's only sunny in Philadelphia oh, yeah, yeah. where he's, like, trying to figure things right. out. Basically, that's Derek now. And he's trying to figure things out on his own. So he creates – he would sit – In the dark for hours, watching the webcams he set up, he, like, is drawing maps of the entire neighborhood, detailing houses of who lives there, how long they've lived there, and then noting if anyone is in eyeshot or earshot. So, they also hire a private investigator to dig up information on the Langfords, but nothing comes up, and they are also scoping out the neighborhood. Additionally, they hire two former FBI agents... One apparently was the inspiration for Claire Reese from Silence of the Lambs, Mm. and the other one was Robert uh, Lennon. So Lennon did an assessment of the letters to determine the levels of threat in them. So here's what he concluded to, or I don't know if concluded to is the right term, but this Mm. is what he found. There was an old fashioned type tactic in the letter that pointed to an older person because uh, there wasn't like any modern slang and it, you know, it sounds old. Mm-hmm. Based on the tone or the voice of the letter, they determined that the person was an avid reader. They were also surprised at the lack of profanity, despite how threatening, dark, and angry the letters were. Mm hmm. There was a lot of typos, actually, and errors in the letters, which showed that the writer was pretty erratic. Um, One error in particular was, it was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but June 4th was on a Wednesday, honest mistake, but (laughs) just like... (laughs) It happens to me all the time. uh, Yeah, I'm not saying (laughs) anything. There was also direct anger towards people of wealth. Um, and the fact that they were doing renovations to the home, which I understand because I do think it's sad when people renovate and like get rid of completely like all the old character mm, and mm-hmm. charm. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to be like this about right. it, you know? <laughs> um, despite this, Lennon did not think it was likely that the watcher would actually act on any of the threats. And they believed it was someone who was jealous that they would never be able to afford a home like this. Mm. Um, I mean, through who? There are a lot of homes I can't afford, but you don't see me acting right. like a sociopath. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not sending threatening anonymous letters to people. <laughs> oh God, carrying on. Um, however, there was not a, uh, there wasn't much more to go off of, so they were still focusing on the Langfords because Derek was like, "This is our guy. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way they're they're really weird." You know, like, yeah, I, he was just on his gut. Like, this is these mm-hmm. are our people. So the Broadduses actually get consent or approval from the police that they're going to try testing something out. So they write a letter to the Linkfords, letting them know that they were actually going to tear down the home,
2: mm.
0: thinking that this would, you know, trigger someone in the family that is obsessed with the home. So if it is, in fact, Michael, he would be like so shook up about it and then like another letter would arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing happens. They they get no response and the reaction is just like, oh, cool. Okay. like well, Do what you want. Like, okay. So. Maybe they knew that they were trying to trap them. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but nothing came from that. So Detective Lugo brings Michael in for a second round of interviews and still, like, there's nothing on him. And Abby, uh, Lanford, Abby, Michael's sister, starts to accuse them of harassing their family. And... Derek and Maria hire a lawyer named Lee Levitt to meet with the family and their attorney. So the Langfords and the Broaddis's and their lawyers all meet up. Mm. And Levitt, the Broaddis's lawyer, shows the Langford family and their lawyer all the letters, as well as diagrams of the home and how they have like the perfect vantage point for the porch. And apparently this conversation got really intense, which I'm sure it's a very awkward conversation (laughs) to have if you're being accused of this. Yeah. And everyone of the Langfords obviously were like, you need to leave Michael alone. He had nothing to do with this. Like he was not capable of doing this, which I... Like I'm kind of siding with the Lingfords because mm-hmm. I I don't think it's fair that they are being targeted just because they don't fit the norm of the community. Yeah, no, so that's that irritates totally fair. me. Yeah. Um, and plus, like, they have like interviewed Michael several times. Like nothing has changed, mm-hmm. and they're basically accusing them when they're like, no, like we're just minding our own business. Yeah. Um. Right. I understand why it seems suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um. So keep in mind, Michael sp- uh, officials spoke with Michael after the first letter was sent and prior to the second one. So it was also believed by investigators that it would be really, like, ballsy and stupid for Michael to send additional ones after that when they were basically like, hey, like, right. you're a high suspect. Or, mm-hmm. um, however, someone could argue that whoever's writing these letters are obviously not thinking right. Right. So I don't know. Other things that they dug up on the family was Michael was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was a younger man. Mm. Now, I am by no means saying that any, like every single person with schizophrenia is the same as it's interpreted in movies with multiple personalities or a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Mm-hmm. This is a huge misconception. And according to WebMD, most people with schizophrenia are not dangerous And they just tend to be withdrawn or prefer to be alone. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not implying that it's not a serious mental disorder, because it is, I didn't want that to be the big takeaway here. I don't want it Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, my God, he has schizophrenia. It's him. Mm -hmm. So additionally, according to Mayo Clinic, schizophrenia involves a range of problems with thinking, behavior, and emotions. So signs and symptoms can vary, but... They usually involve delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, and they reflect an impaired ability to function. So I'm just putting it out there just because he's diagnosed. I'm not making this a Hollywood thing where Mm -hmm. it's like he has three personalities. Right. I'm just letting you know, like, Mm -hmm. most people can function and have a normal life. Any questions? No. Okay. I was very passionate about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, No. And and I know, like, most people with
1: mental illnesses are more often the victims of violence than perpetrators
0: of violence. Exactly. So, so anyway. So, Schmidt, the, the barbecue neighbor guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember him? <laughs> he also referred to Michael as... He was the one that referred to Michael as the Boo Radley sort and that he was our odd and harmless... Michael would do things that spooked people, like walking around in their backyards, or he would look into windows and check out renovations that were going on, which, weird, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious about renovations. I'm not going to look into one, but anyway. (laughs) Um, Also, Schmidt said that Michael got Schmidt's newspaper for him, like, every morning, which was, like, again, like... Odd but harmless like Mm -hmm. nice of him but it's like oh you don't have to do that so I also want to note a veteran detective steps in and his name is Baring Chambliss which sounds like such a detective name (laughs) Baring Chambliss. So I'm not entirely sure, like, when in the timeline he steps in, but he was asked to look into it further. And my guess is just because he was more senior Mm -hmm. or he'd been on the force for longer. But just want to let you know, if I start referring to Bering, that's why I'm not sure if Lugo stepped down or he was given another assignment. But just letting you know. Okay. So police did a DNA analysis on the envelope and... Results come back that saliva or the DNA from licking the envelope was that of a woman's, oh. thus ruling out Michael. But then people said, well, he has Abby, his sister, so she maybe could have licked it or you know mm-hmm. assisted. And she was actually a real estate agent. So, oh. she could have been bitter about missing out on the commission from the house right next door, because oh. like I said, no one knew that the woodses was putting it on the market. as a another job, she worked at a retail store, and police worked with the security guard at this location to gather a sample of Abby's DNA, so they were able to recover a drink that she had thrown away. So they test this DNA, and there's no match. Oh, wow. And it the DNA on the envelope did not match any of the Langfords. Wow. So police told Derek and Maria that this family was ruled out. We can't look into them any further. We don't have anything on them. That's pretty solid evidence. I think so. Mm. So the private investigator, did I tell you they hired a private investigator? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long one. So, the private investigator also uncovered that there were two sex offenders registered in the neighborhood. Oh, no. Within a few blocks uh, of the home. So, there was also that. Additionally, one of the painters who was working on the home made a note of strange, strange things from the neighbors behind the Broaddus family. Oh. And the couple that lived there uh, were a little bit older and they placed lawn chairs. Oddly close to the property line. And one day the painter remarked that he looked out the window and the man was sitting in the chair facing the broadest home. Like, not facing his home, but facing the broadest home. Oh my gosh. So, why aren't these people being attacked like the Langfords? Because those, like, that's the last thing I hear about any of the other people. Like, I don't hear about the sex offenders. I don't Mm. hear about, like, the backyard neighbors. What? It was just like, oh, it's the Lingfords because they're weird. They're the outcasts. Oh. So that. That's so, that's really weird. Hmm. I would like to know. So at this point, it's been several months. And towards the end of 2014, there's no way to find any sort of a trail. They can't find any leads. There's nothing digitally or virtually. So basically, there's no evidence as to who the watcher could be. So the investigation comes to a halt. And they can't find any clues within the letters. They're looking, like, line by line. Like, is there a code? Is there something going on? Mm -hmm. And though it was likely the ramblings of a sociopath, the police concluded that there was nothing else to be done at this point. So they installed security systems for the home. Derek looked into getting German shepherds. And they even posted a job to pay military veterans to work out in their backyard.
1: I Um, mean, if you're going to go to that extent, just move. Right. You know,
0: I mean, they were, I mean, they put so much money down and they also put so much in the renovations. That's true. Yeah. But they were in a situation where it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's Mm -hmm. like, do we, like, listen? Because the police are saying it's likely that no one's actually going to harm anyone. It's just like the write ins of someone crazy. Mm -hmm. But they're like, God forbid something should actually happen. Right. So you know they have the debate at this point are we willing to what are we willing to risk because Mm -hmm. they don't want to feel like prisoners in their own home which essentially is what it's they haven't even moved in yet you know right right but they also don't want to risk their children Mm -hmm. so they're discouraged they show the letters to a priest and the priest bless the home (laughs) last resort And sure enough, another letter arrives. Oh, my God. So this is uh, letter number four. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So it says... (laughs) I'm not ready. (laughs) Okay, do you want to take a breather?
1: No, just go. Just rip it off.
0: Just read it. (laughs) Reminding you of where you live again. 657 Boulevard. It's turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge. I'm the captain now. (laughs) I am in charge. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off. (laughs) Sorry. It's just so, it's, okay. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bads its bad things and wait for it to become good again it will not punish me i will rise again i will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me 657 boulevard needs young blood it needs you come back let the young blood play again like i once did let the young blood sleep in 657 boulevard stop changing it and leave it alone at this point, it sounds like a toxic ex-boyfriend. Right. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh and, like, but it's just, like, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's, like, wow. come, come back. Like, I've been threatening you and I'm going to kill your children, but you need to come back. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, I also read this, like, the first time I read this in my head, I read it in the voice of the reading of a dramatic breakup letter. Have you ever seen that? I hate you. I've always hated you, and you make me hold your hands for stupid reasons. (laughs) I think I've seen that. uh, So Derek and Maria at this point had sold their own old home, or the one that they were currently living in because they had anticipated on moving in, and nobody wants to pay two mortgages. So homes are something you just can't leave uh, which is a lot of criticism that people get in haunted or or horror movies Mm -hmm. uh, because you know they already put so much money into this like 1.3 million is a lot and i take back what i said (laughs) no it's okay so they move in with maria's parents maria was having dreams that a man with a pitchfork was approaching her children and she couldn't get to them While Derek was having dreams about building an eight-foot wall around their home. Um, Healthy. Right. So Maria starts to go to therapy. Good for you. Everyone should go to therapy. But Maria goes to therapy, and apparently when the therapist asked, how are you, she broke down into tears. Oh, gosh. That's so sad. Oh. And she was diagnosed with PTSD. Derek was also diagnosed with depression, and both of them had developed paranoia and Can you blame them? No. So six months after the first letter arrived, they decided to put the home on the market and they rose the price of it because of all the renovations they had put in. Right. So naturally rumors start to come around as to why it like went up on the market or why the price went up and you know, it's only been six months and they never moved in. And the Broadis family also to anyone touring the home, they if if someone was serious about buying the home, they disclosed the letters and naturally all offers fell through, which I give them props for disclosing. Me too. Yeah. There is criticism on how thorough of a job the police did because all this time, Derek and Maria were still trying to keep the letters secret and some neighbors were like, why is this the first time I'm hearing about a potential stalker in the neighborhood? Or like, how deeply... Did they really look into the neighbors that were close to the Broaddus family, you know, especially if, like, everyone's a suspect and only right. you've only, like, tackled a few people? hmm It was also missed that other neighbors on the street had received a letter from the watcher. What? They threw it away because they thought it was weird, and they were also a family who were empty nesters with children who had grown just like the woods is. So they didn't understand why they were getting this letter. But that was something that investigators missed, which was also a clue that it was going to other people. So investigators did not have any additional leads. And then eventually they asked for a sample of Andrea Woods' DNA. And then all of a sudden they wanted to interview the Woods' 21-year-old son, who is unsure why he was a suspect at this point. I think it was just because they had nothing else to go off of.
1: They're the couple that moved out, right? Of the house? Right. The homeowners.
0: Got it. So in 2016, the Braddises decided to file a, oh, and like the DNA did not come back as her or anything, Mm -hmm. which it's like, why would you send an ominous letter to people that just bought your old home? Right. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, anything's possible. I, I don't even know, but So, in 2016, the Broadduses decided to file a small claim against the Woods family for not disclosing on the watcher because they had received a letter. Hmm. Um, So, Andrea and John said the letter was odd and it didn't threaten them and they never felt like they were being watched. It literally just said, like, thanks for taking care of the home. Mm Mm-hmm. So they thought maybe it was just a weird letter from someone like in the neighborhood saying like, oh, bye neighbor. But again, they they didn't disclose it. They just thought it was weird. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like talking about young blood or anything like threatening. Right. So once this legal claim hit the public, news stations ate it up because of how horrible the letters were. And obviously it was a huge story. And apparently Derek and Maria got over 300 requests from the media to talk about it. Oh, my gosh. And they even had a reporter set up a lawn chair in front of their home. To Come turn. on. I know. It's Read the room. <laughs> Not the time. Oh, God. And eventually, because so much chaos was going on, they eventually had to sit down and tell their kids the real reason why they weren't moving into their new home. And it was basically like telling them, quote, the boogeyman was obsessed with their family. And that breaks my heart because the kids are obviously scared and confused mm-hmm. by this. And their questions to their parents were Who is the watcher? Where do they live? Why are they angry at us? So, a horrible situation. Like, I would not know. That's not in the parent manual, mm-hmm. I'm sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, one night, Chambliss, the F- former FBI agent, and his partner were scoping out the property in a van. Sketchy. And they were watching the home through binoculars. (laughs) Sketchy. (laughs) uh, Around 11 p.m., a car pulled up by the home long enough to raise a flag of suspicion. And they traced the car to belong to a woman who lived in a town nearby, and her boyfriend owned a home on the street. Oh, So they talked to the girlfriend, and she claimed that her boyfriend liked dark video games. Video games do not cause violence, but anyway. Mm -hmm. And there was one in particular that he played where he played as a specific character called The Watcher. Oh. And he actually wasn't living on the boulevard at the time, uh, but Chambliss said that the man agreed to be interviewed. And they thought maybe the girlfriend was the one who, like, sealed the letter or she was, like, helping them, which explains the female DNA.
2: Mm.
0: However, the man did not show up for the interview on two separate occasions. But uh, Chambliss, Chambliss, the detective, the former FBI agent, Chambliss, didn't have enough evidence to make him come in. Mm. It was just, like, situational. So they had to drop this lead. That sounds promising, too. I know. So now it's spring of 2016. Like, it's two years yeah. since. And the Broadus family doesn't know what to do. Their lawsuit is still pending with the Woodses. They still haven't moved in. So they decide to put it back on the market. But, again, no one bought it when they read or heard about the letters. So their real estate lawyer proposed that they sell the home to a developer who would make the property into two separate homes. Mm. So to do this, they would need board approval because apparently there's a mandate that a lot would need to be 70 feet or each home, and if they were to separate it, the lots would be 67.4 feet and the other one would be 67.6 feet. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So they needed approval for this Like three feet um, or like six feet total. Stupid. When their proposal went public, keyword warriors took over and the Broaddus family became further outcasts. And people were claiming this was a ploy to become famous or to hype up the home so they could sell it at a higher price. And uh, they just wanted to do it for money or they were having buyer's remorse uh, and they made up the whole thing. And be- people were basically accusing them of being con artists. Oh, my gosh. It was also brought up that within the last, like, 10 years, the family had gone from a $300,000 home to a $760,000 home to eventually this home, the $1.3 So people were suspicious as to how they, like, were able to move up so quickly. But in response to this, they were like, it's America. I, like, I worked my way up. I don't mm-hmm. know. But okay. So... They also attacked Maria for, like, not making her Facebook private and on her profile picture, like, her children were in it. So she, like, was not protecting them. So, you know, they're obviously going to be stalked because people can know about your children or whatever. But,
1: Mm. I mean... Like, a lot of people
0: do that, though. Yeah. I mean, people will find anything. I don't know. Right. So the board meeting was held in January of 2017 to discuss the approval for the home development. They slotted in a three-hour window to discuss it, and over 100 people showed up. Oh, my gosh. So everyone in the neighborhood primarily complained that having two homes would ruin the aesthetic of the neighborhood, (laughs) and, like, two homes would stick out like a sore thumb, or one even said, like, it will stick out like a pair of balls. I'm like, okay. Classy. Classy. So the Bradasses and their lawyer argued that A... There are other homes that have made changes, like, in the neighborhood, and B, the purpose of this was to make them feel safe and to be able to, like, move on from this. So the meeting lasted over four hours, and at 11.30 p.m., it was decided unanimously that the board rejected (gasps) the proposal by six feet. And Derek and Maria were completely distraught, and in a direct quote from Maria, she said, I grew up here. I came back. I chose to raise my kids here. You all know what we've been through. You had the ability, two and a half years into a nightmare, to make it a little better. And you decided that this house is more important than we are, and this is how it feels. Right. Shortly after the meeting, however, they did find a family who would rent the property, and it was a family with grown children and two dogs, and the father... Of The family said he wasn't afraid of the Watcher. However, there was a clause in the lease that stated if a letter from the Watcher arrived, they would be able to terminate the agreement, no questions asked. Okay, good. Which I think is great. I think that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately for the Broaddus family, the rent would not cover the mortgage, but at least helped a little bit with the blow. Yeah. Sure enough, a letter did arrive. (sighs) And Derek was at the home to do maintenance i guess he was like the landlord now and he was taking care of a squirrel issue like a a squirrel squirrel if you will (laughs) oh no and like the renter like taps him on the shoulder and he's like um and he hands him the letter oh no here's what it says oh god violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wench? Jeez. I have never. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you're too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempts to assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T., They carried out their mission, and they saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher! Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break
1: oh my god that's like the most directly threatening letter I think that he sent or they sent yeah holy moly
0: horrible that is horrible horrible horrendous and it makes me feel like this neighborhood's a cult because he's like people like prevented the home from being ruined or whatever right. like
1: my soldiers like uh, <sighs>
0: Dude, oh my god! I I know. Bones break. Oh God! Pets suddenly die. Don't you dare! Don't you dare touch a little hair on the little. Oh my! Oh God! I I can't. So the renter was not a fan of this. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Can I frame it? No. But he actually said that they would stay as long as like cameras were installed. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eventually, other neighbors started to get ominous letters. And for some reason, they were all to people who had spoken out against the plan at the board meeting or had attacked the family on social media. They had no idea who sent them, but one neighbor said, quote, I wish we could go back to the time of tar and feathers, end quote. And another one said that the note was strangely poetic. It turns out for these series of letters that had gone to neighbors, it was Derek who sent them out.
1: Derek, no.
0: Not what you do. You burn them Derek. if you need a vent. He said he's not proud of it, but he was at his breaking point. Like, the whole neighborhood was turned in on him. Like, the whole town was. And he regrets it but he says like all the other letters are legit but i did send the ones to the other people because i guess he like didn't know what to do not a good move nope but like apparently no one knew that it was him oh uh, until like he interviewed on this because the interviewer was like did you send the letters and he like paused and he was like yeah oh dude (laughs) um so no other letters from the watcher have been sent out to either the Broaddus family or the renters, so this has gone cold. And their lawsuit against the Woods family was dismissed.
1: Okay, good. That's a sham. That's like a,
0: a like a dumb lawsuit. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So in March of 2019, the house went on the market, and it was sold for 959000 in July. So they sold it for a loss. Netflix actually won the rights to the story and will be making a limited series about it, which I think will be about seven one hour long episodes. Wow. So you can look forward to that in the next like year or two. And they outbid five other studios, and I guess Netflix paid seven figures for it. So to be determined when that will be released. But wow. Um, oh as, my gosh. As to theories, you know, a lot of it was. That the Broaddus family did this, and it was a ploy to get media attention, or to like hype up this home so they could eventually sell it for more money, or they had buyer's remorse. And I will say, like, when I first read this, I kind of thought, like, okay, maybe it's like I I hear situations where people like hype up, like, oh, this house is haunted, to bring Mm -hmm. attention to it. But Mm -hmm. they, the fact that the like letters came to the old family and it came before like it was publicly known that the house was being sold and they had psychological trauma from this right right. that is a big effort and like i just i don't think that they would do this some other theories are that they actually had a stalker i will say you know about the comment in the walls people said, like, okay, maybe there's, like, a microphone or, like, a recording device in the oh. walls. But they, like, did a scan to, like, try to find something and they couldn't find anything in the walls. Wow. So, so another theory was there was a legit stalker. Some people even went as far to think that it was actually a demonic entity writing okay. these letters. So that's cute. Okay. Um, a bunch of keyboard warriors naturally said, like, If this were me, I would have moved in. Like, I wouldn't have showed the watcher who's boss. Or like, don't let this person consume you. But like, you're not in this situation where people are threatening their children. Okay, like it's different to be like bitter about losing a sale, right, or whatever. But like this, it like it's too far for it to just be like, okay, shake it off. Or if it was just one letter, Mm -hmm. fine. But it knew too much about the family for it to be like, right. I don't know and Derek's response to this was these people did not read the letters and like some crazy person is like not threatening those people's children like it's it's different yeah. when you're a parent and talking especially when you refer to someone's children as young blood
1: yeah like no. you don't do no. that
0: okay Mm-mm. rule number seven you don't <laughs> you don't do that And I'm sure it's easy to say this person probably wouldn't harm them or actually act, but again, it goes to the question, what if someone actually did? Mm -hmm. It's like, why would you, like, I bet then everyone would be like, why would you move in if you were getting these letters? Right. Can't win. Social media is toxic. It is. Anyway, to add insult to injury, months after the board meeting, the the council approved a permit that was a larger exception than the one that the Broaddus family proposed. It's fucking assholes. It's hypocrites. So, like I said, most of this information came from The Cut from New York Magazine, and I will make sure that the link is in the description if you want to read up on it, but like I said, the majority of the information is from there. There were other articles, too. When we post our website, we'll be sure to have like all of our resources there for you to to read but creepy skin crawly chills absolutely not i hate that i hate it so much
1: i want to know what happened to the guy who didn't show up to the interviews Mm -hmm. and what about their creepy backyard neighbors and what about the
0: sex offenders yeah like why was all the focus on you know the outcast like that part makes Mm -hmm. me so mad because it's like this community that's like perfect and white and whatever and Mm -hmm. it's like oh well these people are weird so it must be them like that makes me very mad yeah oh my gosh so super creepy um yeah but holy, no. oh holy cow that one deeply disturbing I think that's like honestly one of the scarier ones that we've covered because it's yeah. just so, so bizarre and terrifying it's seriously my worst nightmare me too it's, it's like I used to like that movie when a stranger calls Yeah. No, stop i can't have you ever uh, seen the movie the strangers no oh my god i hate that movie it's like when people are on a like a vacation or they like rental a a cabin or whatever and then these people like intrude their home and like murder them oh my god anyway no all the doors are locked (laughs) i'm (laughs) sorry i'm leaving (laughs) you tonight good lord oh gosh that yeah we'll sage the house anyway what do you what do you think what's your theory i it's just so weird
1: i mean i definitely don't think they staged it i don't think think so i think
0: that's way too extensive to
1: yeah i don't i mean yeah i i i'm interested in the
0: the people they didn't investigate yeah i want to know more yeah i don't know i don't know maybe we'll never know but And I don't know if, like, the family that moved in now, like, had anything. I couldn't find anything Mm. else. So, I think probably when the Netflix show airs, there will probably be more. But Mm -hmm. I think that's coming either this year or early 2022. There was a movie in, like, 2016 inspired by this called, like, The Watcher. But it was, like, a lot more dramatic Mm. of it. I... I think I got like a 5 out of 10 on IMDb, so oh, okay. I'm not going to recommend that one. Gotcha. But when's it coming out? Summer of 2021. Okay. Oh, that's when Filmin's going to start. Oh, okay. So it'll be a while still. Okay. Well, anyway. Spooky. Spooky ooky. I hate it. Super spooky. Yeah. All right. Well, don't be a creepy neighbor. Be a nice neighbor. Be a good person. Either don't talk to them or like... Don't send letters that Uh-oh. are really creepy and ominous. Like I, I shouldn't have to say that, but mm. anyway, this is a really long one. I'm so sorry, but it's okay. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you would like, you can join us again next week for a wild card episode. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can
1: submit your own listener report at theinsomniareport at gmail.com or suggest topics
0: for us to cover or just say hi. Yeah, we're friendly. We swear. No letters from the watcher, please, though. Please, God. It will go in the bin. It please, will, no. It will not be read. Oh, geez. Oh, okay. Okay. We would also love to give credit to the artists that have helped us, as always. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is by Justin Tomb. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Thank you so much for listening. Stay happy and healthy. Stay spooky and sleepy. Yes. Stay safe. Stay safe out there. Get your vaccine. Yes. Be alert. Yes. Um, constant vigilance. I don't know how to end it. Like, that would be so creepy. I'm... Oh, God. Uh, this was a good one. Um, this is going to keep me up. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, it. this is like... This, okay terrifying terrifying (laughs) Uh, full body goosebumps okay anyway good night good night